Welcome to Founding Impact, where we talk about impact startup ecosystem in Europe. I'm Maciej Gałkiewicz. And I'm Kasia Zalewska. We are Impact Angel Investors from Ragnarsson. Hello guys, welcome back. Uh, today we're gonna talk about mental wellness in startups. And our guest is Joshua Haynes from Masawa. Joshua, please tell us a couple of words about yourself. Thank you. And thank you, Maciej and Kasia, for um, inviting me um, to talk about mental wellness and startups. It's an important thing, yes. Um, but also, it's just an honor to be one of your guests. Um, I, uh, impact investing is super important. And I think you're trailblazers. Uh, we're, and we're excited to be on this journey with you. So I'm Joshua Haynes. I am the founding partner of Mesawa, the Mental Wellness Impact Fund. We invest in founders who are catalyzing mental wellness in areas um, like meditation, um, psychology-related aspects, psychedelics, but also in the social determinants of mental health, like nutrition, education, uh, urban design. Uh, because our impact thesis and our investment thesis is that by investing in the social impact of the companies, uh, helping them and founders to maximize the social impact, and at the same time, investing in the founder well-being and their ability to create resilient organizations will lead to increased social and financial returns. Um, I'm originally from the United States, uh, but I've been fortunate to work in a couple of different industries in the software technology area. Uh, I was a diplomat in the Obama administration and have worked in about 35 countries uh, and I'm lucky to speak a, a, a number of languages, although my Polish is not very good yet, for the record. Um, and I live in Berlin with my husband and our two kids. And I, yeah, I'm excited to, to, to see what we're going to talk about today. Uh, likewise, and we were super excited actually before the recording to, uh, to get on the hub on a call with you and uh, learn a bit more about uh, wellness at uh, startups and also like in uh, business settings. Uh, I think it would be really great to start with um, getting an overview what it actually means. So when we say mental wellness uh, at, at companies in professional life, how do you look at it? Like what kind of things do you take into account that are important to, to consider? Sure, sure, sure. So I think if you look at um, being able to be successful at reaching the goals, at having the output and the impact that you, you need, it, at the end of the day, it boils down to the humans. Um, because an organization is, is, is just comprised of the humans. And if the humans themselves aren't well, if they don't feel that they have agency, um, um, cohesion, if they're not part of something larger, if they feel that they're alone on these journeys, which many st uh, startup founders are, um, it really starts wearing away at them uh, and their ability to uh, really work together and meet the goals and, and have the outcomes needed. You know, startup founders themselves, uh, um, you know, we are also startup founders, uh, even though we work at, at funds, uh, we're, you know, foraging these new paths. Um, uh, but startup founders have, are twice as likely to have depression than the general population uh, and are three times as likely to have substance abuse issues. And so when we're looking at investing in companies and then nurturing the capital that we're investing by focusing on the founder well-being, we're really looking at what is the founder's ability to understand that they also have a mental wellness and what is the willingness for them to, to do the inner work required to overcome the trauma that they have, to really understand at a fundamental level, why is it that, they, why is it that they're doing what they're doing? 
Um, is it in order to become rich and famous and the next unicorn? Uh, because that's really important. Okay, but why is that? What's something in their history, in their past, um, that has um, put this in their head that they need to, to do this at all costs? Um, and we really look at um, how are even a, a two-person team startup that's at a pre-seed uh, stage, how are they thinking about the organizational culture in two years? What does that need to look like? Uh, you know, is it going to be a situation where it's hustle, hustle, hustle at the expense of everything else? Or are they able to figure out ways to bring in um, um, the conversation from the very early uh, uh, stages to set up that system so that people can really feel agency and feel ownership um, in their in their endeavors? So you mentioned like two components. On one hand, it's all about individuals and making sure that they're doing well on, on different uh, levels. But at the same time, you mentioned that organizations in itself uh, should have like a good structure, a good process in place that helps people to stay, let's say, on the on the on the on the right path. Sure. Is that correct. Yeah, and I think more than just being well, uh, because mm -hmm. not all of us are are well all the time. We all have yep. bad days. <laughs> Some of us, you know, I I've struggled with mental health issues my entire life, um, and uh, and really uh, now know what I need to do. But it's important that in the organization that you have the ability to be vulnerable, especially as leaders, to say, this is what I'm not good at. This is what I'm having a problem with right now. And not fearing the repercussions from your investors, from your board, from your employees for just being who you are and being honest. Um, and I think there's a big issue, and, and we can jump into that later, as to why is that? Why can't we just be humans? Um mm -hmm. Uh, on the individual level and the organizational level. And it's not just about providing um, um, employee benefit plans that you get access to an app, yeah. a meditation app. Um, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really get you very far. But it's really about how do you create that culture so that you can talk about mental wellness. And if someone's having, if someone's in the fog, um, you know, things are happening that people know what to do as either mental health first aid responders or being able to kind of develop the, the systems that they need to, to help people, uh, you know, feel that they're part of that community, uh, especially now coming out of COVID, uh, it, which is so even more important than ever. Oh, definitely. This is also that uh, something that we observe uh, not only externally, but unfortunately also internally among people. Um, it's, I'm very curious, like, what's your, um, uh, what's your opinion about the scale of this problem? Like, whenever you speak with different companies, with different founders, like, would you say, like, half of them have, have some problems or this is, like, the majority, like? Yeah, um, I would say the overwhelming majority of startup founders, okay. uh, you know, ones that have uh, either been successful or not successful in the past. Um, uh, and uh, also just now, as they're, you know, in their early stages, fundraising, trying to get the product market fit, trying to understand like what is their special sauce that they're bringing to this. Um, it is lonely. It is hard. And you know, it's only if you've gone through it that you really understand what, what that looks like. Um, but what, what, what was really surprising to us when we started, you know, doing our own incubation of, you know, of our nurture capital approach was just the number, the lack of investors who really look at this from a risks, risk perspective. Mm -hmm. um, there are some stats that say that uh, uh, up to 65% of startup failures um, fail or happen because of human issues, because of things that potentially could have been uh, uh, prevented, either founder conflict, either um, uh, a burnout from, from, from founders, either team um, mismatch. Uh, and that you know is, is such a huge 
issue that you, you can tackle from the very beginning. If you're having mm-hmm. a pre-seed stage, um, uh, uh, at okay. a pre-seed company, thank you, um, having the hard discussions about are you the right person and in your makeup and your characteristics to be the CEO in three years when you're on a growth trajectory and not just a building trajectory. Um, and, and, and see, you know, can you roll, grow into that as a CEO? That's just a, a, an internal thing that I have to know about myself because I know myself well that I'm not going to be good at, at this, 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 or this, and, and knowing what your path to, to that is that. Can you decouple yourself from your startup? Yes, uh, you are the founder. And yes, you are now synonymous in your circles and in, in, in your networks as being uh, equal to this company. Um, but what does that really mean in terms of your 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 worth and 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 emotional wealth um, when things might go awry, when things might change? Um, and it's you know going 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 a bit uh, in a circle, but it just was so um, surprising that so few investors have um, uh, the, you know their value added services were looking at helping founders get over these issues and and really build the resiliency that's needed. Got it. And uh, I think we, we started uh, talking a bit more about the specifics and uh, like specific cases that and problems that people have. Uh, it would be really gr- great to hear like some of the examples that you've seen on the market, like the, the kind of cases when you reach out to people and um, uh, you really help them with overcoming like different different problems that they have. Uh, would it be really great to, to like kind of learn how do you approach those kind of problems? What, what kind of conversations do you have? Who do you involve? Sure, sure. So I think even from our diligence process, we're looking at um, what's the founder's vision? Do they have the ability to create the network if they don't have the network already to, to, to have their the people around them to mm-hmm. keep them um, up and well? Uh, you know, if they're only... Um, their only idols are the unicorns who have maybe are a bit caustic. Then, then we might have some um, some concerns. And so, from the very beginning, we're we're having discussions around um, really, like I mentioned, what is your true passion? What's the vision? Why are you doing this? Um, we also talk about things like that. What's your psychological relationship with money? Um, what does that look like? Uh, is it you know? Is it something you? Is money something you? You attract to you and you hoard it, or is money something that you push away, or does it come in and out? Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that just one conversation is not something that a lot of people think about, uh, or think about the, the fact that their relationship to money, their psychological relationship to money, has a lot to do with their family's psychological relationship with, to money, uh, and how they were, you know, uh, and how they were treated uh, as as children or how they grew up. Um, and for as as an investor, we we need to know these things because we would prefer to invest in founders that are neither hoarders or push people that push the money away. Um, uh, but you know, these, none of these organizational health related questions or diligence aspects that we look at are, are deal breakers um, one way or the other, but it's something that we can have honest discussions about mm-hmm. and be a bit more vulnerable about who we are. Yeah, this, just is like, this is super, uh, super interesting. I mean, when we uh, evaluate those kind of attitudes towards money, maybe we don't ask so direct questions like "What's your relationship with with money?" But uh, we we look more into like the um, the motivation of someone to make money or have impact, or you know the intersection of both would be ideal, and and have this kind of healthy approach to to uh, to, to making money and and growing the company and getting higher valuations and so on. Yeah, but this is uh, this is super interesting what you said. 
Um, I need to make like a very short break. Kasia, are you still with us? Because I believe we have some technical issues. Yes, I'm here. Although you can't see me, I'm here listening and waiting for my time to step in. <laughs> I'm here. Okay, I'm glad to hear that you're with us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, Joshua, any, any other examples on your mind? Um, sure. Uh, just discussions that we also have from the, um, and, and going through, like looking at uh, because founders have a higher propensity for depression. Like, what does that mean in terms of just already from the from the get go, um, being able to talk about it? I'm very open now. It's taken me a long time to talk about my um, struggle with depression. And if I, as an investor, can show my vulnerability mm-hmm. and to show that it's okay to talk about this, that's such a relief for others. Maybe they don't feel that they're dealing with depression or burnout or whatnot or, or whatnot now. But for that building that trust with the investees, um, it's so much uh, um, uh, stronger. Um, that they can come to us when there are issues. Now, it's not that we just um, invest the money and then walk away. We go through a co-creative process of creating a nurtured capital plan um, and allow the founders to really determine, okay, where is the baseline now where they are in terms of organizational health? Where do they need to be in two years? And then walk backwards and figure out what are the intersections or the the various activities that we can provide or um, suggest in order to help them get there. Got it. Got it. Super cool. Um, I I think we also have like um, I have a personal example from uh, from one of our projects when um, like talking about well being not only of founders but also employees. Um, we ended up in this situation that I think COVID helped us to to get there actually, when where people were closed in their apartments for a year or so. Um, we had this case when we have a very ambitious and uh, developers who help one of our clients to, to uh, build a piece of software and uh, they're very honorable and no matter the workload, they really were trying to deliver everything that, that was kind of promised at the beginning, no matter what, uh, if, no matter what kind of, if the, the like uh, initial assumptions were realistic or not. And, um, to some extent, we also like didn't have the space to, to say, it's okay, guys, if you don't deliver, I mean, those things happen, like it's just too much. Nobody knew about those problems that were approaching. But for some reason, we kind of created this cult of, of people just going, no matter what happens, they just need to execute. So what you described is basically like creating this space within companies, um, starting from founders to make sure that uh, the pressure with time is somewhat managed and they still sure. right. uh, they stay sane in, in the process of uh, building a company, which is crazy in itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not we're not advocating that it's all um, a walk in the park and we're just uh, frolicking and dancing around uh, as we build our, our companies. Um, it's you know realizing that this comes in waves. You know, energy comes in waves. There's there's mm-hmm. moments when we you know have all hands on deck and we get it. We have to get stuff done. There are other moments um, where that needs to be less the case. And we can be about a lot smarter about how we, we, we invest our time. And I think you, you mentioned from the founders, uh, coming from the founders, I think we as investors have a responsibility to also um, signal that this is what we expect and that mm-hmm. we don't expect there to be high turnover uh, because of the workload, because of an incongruence with the culture uh, and the vision amongst the, the team that you're building. Like that, those are, those are metrics that we can look at to that, that kind of flag. Okay. There's, there are issues here. There are bigger issues here that we need to assess because if we know already in a, a series, a company, um, a, a smaller, but yet growing company that there's a mm-hmm. lot of high turnover. Um, uh, that's a signal that when we get to B, C larger, there's a higher chance that the whole thing's going to fail and collapse. 
Um, uh, and so we need to intervene, not just uh, as a, um, uh, a, a treatment, but intervene at the beginning f- as a preventative measure. I'm curious, actually, you've mentioned that uh, we as investors, we need to communicate well what are our expectations. Do you think it's it should be something more soft, like conversation between founders and investors, or there are something more like hard metrics that we can put in place to help both sides actually achieve the, the level of understanding and the balance between the, the expectations? I think it's both. Um, our approach, for example, as an impact fund, half of the potential of the money, that, the, the profits that we make, so our, our general partner, carry. Um, is tied directly to reaching social impact goals. Um, and those are broken into two sides. Um, the uh, social impact, so the number of lives uh, or number of people who self-reports to have increased mental wellness, and then also the organizational health of the, the portfolio. And so if, um, and, and, and these, are, these are metrics that we're able to put in place uh, and companies building into their systems that uh, we have a good idea from a data perspective of how, how things are going. And if a company, if a, a number of companies aren't doing well, then we don't get our carry. We have to forfeit it and, excuse me, donate it to a nonprofit, uh, mental wellness, mental health nonprofit. Um, but I, so I think there are ways that we can put things in the term sheets that say, if we don't achieve this amount, then this is what happens. Whether it's tying bonuses, tying, uh, doing buybacks, um, uh, giving us options to, um, divest or to get out, you know, if things really aren't going well. I think these are things that we can talk about openly um, uh, because we as impact um, investors aren't only beholden to the IRR or the, you know, the the net um, uh, valuations. Um, um, and we need to be able to, to look at this from a holistic point of view. Um, there's an, it's also not just um, sticks, right? There's also carrots that we can provide. Um, we haven't done this yet, but these are things that we'd love to talk with others and 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 see about how we do this. Is really looking at what are the social impact incentives? Um, if founders are able to create organizations that are exceptionally well, um, uh, that the culture is really resilient, and they meet the impact targets, what does that mean in terms of us potentially providing additional funding or something else, a bonus? Um, them either from us or there are other non there are actually some some organizations and and various innovative financing mechanisms that are looking into this these types of mechanisms um, and there's yeah we have a lot of thoughts on that so that's something we can uh, on, on how do we incent because at the end of the day if it doesn't hurt your wallet unfortunately that's just how the world works today now then it's not going to um, you, you're not going to be held accountable to it I, re- I really like what you said about uh, like balancing the financial returns with um, uh, with social metrics to make sure that we, we are not only focused on profits, but also there is something that helps us keep track of uh, all those intangible things that are difficult to measure, but uh, that make all the difference in the long run, especially. Uh, would you be able to give us an example of maybe one or two uh, as like wellness metrics that, that you use? Yeah. So in general, it's hard, uh, you know, in the impact investing, uh, everyone's talking about metrics and 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 what's the um, uh, the, the various categorizations of different types of things and we just have to standardize. You know, for us, I guess we're lucky that we're only investing in mental wellness. Um, and so we can use a meta KPI, um, which for us is the number of people who self-report to have increased mental wellness. So for a meditation app, that's... Um, that's pretty simple. You can build that into your system. 
Um, and so you're able to, through the user's journey, be able to understand what, what that is. Now, meditation app is a bit um, um, not very holistic, and I, I probably shouldn't use it as an example, but uh, uh, um, uh, another, whether it be a psychedelic-assisted therapy, um, you're able to go back also uh, six months, 12 months after um, treatment to be able to understand how are people actually doing and um, are, in general, do they have increased uh, mental wellness? There's other things, whether it's uh, the company's building resilience uh, or um, the, the the number of days that you're able um, uh, to actually get out of bed and fulfill your own um, described role in society. And so there's a lot of different things that we're able to customize for the specific uh, approach that the companies are taking. But but it really all rolls up into this self-reported because at the end of the day, if a doctor says I'm doing well, but I'm not doing well, that doesn't matter. It's about me as a human being able to, to do well. Yeah. Uh, but, but do you also use any metrics to uh, measure the internal situation of, of a startup that you invest sure. in? Sure, 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 sure. So we have uh, a diagnosis that we do around six dimensions for the organization and three dimensions specifically for the founders. And uh, we're able to um, use, you know, either Likert scales or different measurement techniques to say, okay, this is the best baseline where we are now. This is the goal of where we want to be in each of these dimensions, uh, and then periodically review um, this. Mm -hmm. So the how idea is how much they lived, for example. <laughs> yeah, how much they, how long they lived. <laughs> how much? How how long? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. How many? Yeah. And then there's also additional things that whether it's the um, turnover or also the net investor score. So yeah, we have net promoter scores, but what about the net investor score? How are we doing our job as investors uh, in their eyes, um, which is important. Got it, cool, cool. And if we, uh, if we um, take a broader look at the entire ecosystem, uh, the industry as, as in general, like um, how do you think how do you see it? Like how popularized are those problems? How many people are actually people are actually concerned to improve the situation at different startups to like re maybe reduce the, the stress and pressure that usually comes with giving somebody money and having expectations based on it? Uh, are we doing well as a as a, as a community? Absolutely not. We are. Um, um, it's really shocking. Um, so in our work and building up to building out our uh, approach, our nurture capital approach, and how we think about this, you know, we interviewed and talked with, and um, really were shadowed by a number of different funds and investors, and we found um, less than five total, uh, in all that we've looked at, that had a specific approach to the human element first, uh, whether they're providing coaching or whether they're providing other organizational development skills. Um, from the inside, and even um, uh, less than 10 that we're outsourcing um, to others to kind of work with this uh, on psychology, on coaching, on other personal development needs. I think um, a lot of this is because, uh, and, and well, venture capital usually is done by people who have uh, been in venture capital for a long time, and that's what they've learned, the experiences that they've had, and they've been um, uh, acculturated to this idea that the only thing that matters is uh, valuations and exits. Uh, and there really hasn't been an influx of outsiders, of innovators coming in from various areas um, to venture capital to say, hey, there's a big risk that you're ignoring. Um, let's try to do something about it. 
And so, uh, like yeah. like a quite common case when uh, outsiders are able to spot something that nobody else in the industry is able to do so because they've been there too for too long. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Got it. And this Got isn't, it. you know, venture capital isn't something that you can just you know, roll out of bed and say, oh, I'm going to set up a fund. Um, you know, it's still an old boys um, network of those people who have access to the right uh, power structures. Um, and, you know, it's hard for, for, for others, the innovation to break in. But persistence is key. That is how to break the circle, actually, because I can imagine that venture capital will not change their approach as long as there is no need from, like, you know, bottom up from founders expecting this type of support. So uh, what do you see as the, the, the like the breakthrough factor? To, to... There are two top founders are choosing can choose their investors. And they don't want just a check. They want a more holistic approach, especially as the average uh, age of founders is our well the average age of founders is probably always the same but just the, as time is progressing different generations and the gener generational cultural values are increasing millennials and gen, gen z gen z um, uh, employees and founders uh, want also the purpose to be part of everything that they do uh, and so uh, vc firms especially um, in, I would say, Europe, where I feel that a lot of VC firms are copy-paste of other VC firms, um, uh, are need to differentiate themselves uh, in the marketplace. The second reason is that employees, again, millennials and Gen, Gen Z, um, they want to know that the, that purpose-driven, measured impact is there and that they're also taken care of as, as, as whole entities. Um, and... They will go to companies that are able to where that permeates that organizational culture and resiliency permeates through the entire system, um, starting also from the investors. Um, and so I think it will take time. I think we're lucky as a, a mental wellness impact fund is that we're investing in founders who overwhelmingly because of their own journeys with mental wellness or their loved ones journeys with mental wellness intrinsically get it. Um, you know, if you look at different sectors, um, crypto or um, deep tech, it, it's different. Um, but that's, you know, we, we're not um, in, in our this this first fund that, that, that we're doing. We realize that there's these hypotheses that we're testing. And so we're built. So we have the, the mechanisms to collect the data to, to prove the points, because something that isn't uh, very understood is the science and the data around startup founders specifically. What are the specific variables, the human-related variables that lead to increased success? We have a lot of data in the, in the public markets on companies that are traded in the, the stock exchange because you can go to Glassdoor, you can go to different rating mechanisms and try to triangulate really what is the human capital factor uh, for them and, and see that overwhelmingly companies that have a higher human capital factor outperform other companies, other um, group, groupings of portfolios. We don't know that yet. Um, uh, it's not evident. The evidence base isn't there yet for startups, uh, which is what we're working uh, on building. So basically, if we prove that it uh, makes sense also for those long-term profits, then everyone would understand that it's important and would take it into account. Yeah, yeah. So the question I always ask VC, other VC funds that we're looking to co-invest with or, or partner with, or even those that are looking to invest in us, is how much would you pay? What would you do if you could reduce the startup failure rates in your portfolios by just 10%? So it's interesting to see what comes. So I, I ask you to this. What would you do if you could reduce the, reduce the startup portfolio rate failure, the failure rate uh, by just 
but what we what would what we would do in a sense of uh, the specific actions or yeah, how much would you pay? How much would you? And it's not an answer. Maybe a question that you can answer just off the thing. But what's the monetary value of that for you? Uh, and then okay, in financial about, terms, okay, yeah, and financial, and in terms of impact, your measured impact that you want to have in the very sectors that you invest in. If you're able to reduce the failure, which leads to, I mean, yes, you could calculate or extrapolate to see how many different lives um, you could change by that. Um, yeah, and that's that's a thesis uh, hypothesis that we're 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 looking at testing. What's, I think what's kind of the, the yeah? Kasha? If I can, uh, I think it's also a little bit simpler in our case because we usually uh, work with early stage founders, so our cooperation is a bit closer. So for us, it's about the founders being kind of a friends as well at some point, maybe even. So for us, it's very important to keep them happy, wealthy, uh, especially in the mental 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 level. So I think. From our perspective, it's not only about monetary because we see the, how they behave and how they act really influence the business from first hand because we are that close. So uh, I'm totally in, in anything that we can potentially do to, to, to support the founders because we see the effects right away. And, and speaking about supporting founders, um, what kind of a low-hanging fruit would you do you see that you would recommend to like people like in most cases what what they could be doing to improve their situation it, is it does it really depend on the on their context or they're like one two things that they yeah. should they should start with i really think one of the easiest thing is to really engage in a journey of introspection like who who are you really like all of the the pretenses that you put up all the the bullshit that you show in the world um knock all that down and get to the your your fundamental why why is it that you're doing this? The, the, why is it the, the fund or, or the, the startup that you're um, uh, creating? What is it that you really want? And try to really pinpoint in a very raw way, what needs are you trying to fulfill? Are you trying to um, be seen as successful in the eyes of your parents, your family, your friends, uh, the world? Is it because of that deep-seated need to change to really fill a gap that isn't been being filled yet? Um, uh, and I think being a bit uncomfortable with with who you are and honest about that is a huge uh, allows you to have a huge um, uh, step up in your ability to be vulnerable vis-a-vis -vis others and and more honest um, of what's happening and there's lots of ways you can get there coaching therapy sessions lots of of, of, of books and, and materials uh, but also just talking about it with your friends your investors your your co-workers um, and and really sitting with how that feels. Uh, what, is that, what does that look like? As, um, as a mentor, um, I, would, I would definitely agree. Like, um, we, I, we always also, maybe like from the investor perspective, we always start with motivation to really understand if this is like a healthy situation for this person to be in. Um, but uh, like from a mentor perspective, uh, Usually, at least in my case, I speak with people with the right kind of motivation and they need, they still struggle because building a business is, is tough, but uh, I can definitely see how those people change over time by just talking and I never say anything smart to them. They, they're kind of just thinking out loud and bumping me, uh, uh, bumping those, those um, problems and challenges off me. And all of a sudden, three months later, there are different people. And they can handle different situations and uh, overcome whatever they couldn't overcome just, you know, some time ago. Because um, they felt comfortable and they had the space needed to be able to, to just say those things. 
and get those things out. And so that's important that you're also uh, providing that for them. Cool, cool. Um, Kasia, do you do you have any other questions? Uh, I have like one hundred of them actually. <laughs> it's such an interesting. Just pick subject. one. <laughs> Um, I, I was wondering, uh, maybe like one last good advice to, to founders about prevention uh, in terms of uh, keeping the mental wellness within the company, the organization, um, because the prevention is always easier than the treatment. And the first thing is to understand uh, from the founder's side uh, what, what's their, his motivation, but what to do in order to keep the, the organization healthy. I think by being a role model, um, by walking the talk is one of the most important things that you can do. Um, it's something I still struggle with. Um, don't tell my, my family, but, uh, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, it's the weekend. It's like, oh, I just want to get that one thing done. And I just want to feel, you know, it's just also this need I have like to accomplish things and to mark things off the list. But I have to hold myself back um, and and really be an example for, 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 for my team um, and others. Um, and I think it's really working towards balance. Not that you're uh, hustling all the time and that you're, uh, you know, feeling accomplished just by the hustle aspect, but also that you're not just recuperating all the time uh, and, and that you really are able to understand what's your um, energy map. Like, what are the things that give you energy? What are the things that really drain your energy? Um, and how do you work on, on balancing that? Uh, and yes, trying to get others to do the things that you're not good at, but in, 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 until you can do that, um, uh, be okay with this idea that um, it's not all going to be um, like you thought it worked out. Nothing is linear ever. Um, and um, how, you know, also making sure that there's time to that serendipity can take its, its toll and creating those right environments. Um, because I think a lot of things that happen, a lot of success that happens is because serendipity has had something to do with it. I'm a hundred percent behind this advice. Thank you. <laughs> to, to wrap it up a bit, uh, we started with individuals, uh, as uh, maybe it wasn't so difficult to guess, but uh, wellness of, of people uh, depends on the wellness of, of, of uh, every individual. Uh, but at the same time, it's good when companies, when they grow and they change, they also have a good structure in place that encourages people to, to talk about their well-being and really open up even in, in their uh, professional setting. And not, it's nothing wrong when we have problems and it's nothing wrong to just to talk and share it with, with our peers. Uh, it's also gr great when people from, uh, from the outside, so supporters like investors and other stakeholders have the same attitudes and also support the founding team and, and their employees in making, making it work. Uh, you mentioned like uh, different, uh, different ways how founders um, themselves can overcome different um, different challenges and uh, what kind of help they can get from the outside uh, they could get be getting mentors and um, uh, just talking with friends which is also very good and we as an ecosystem we definitely need to improve there's plenty of space to take that into account and i really like your question to to other vcs like 10 percent of uh, how to decrease the the what would they do to decrease the the failure rate by 10 percent? this is really eye-opening so a really great question um, yeah, I think that, are, that were the major points. Uh, anything that you would like to add? Yeah. Uh, thank you for having this, uh, this honest and open conversation. I think it's uh, important that we can also be true to who we are and understand our whys, um, why we've chosen this line of, of work or being. 
Um, and I look forward to continued conversations and, um, yeah, and community building. Thank you so much, Joshua, for, for being with us today. Um, thank you so much to all the, all the listeners and stay tuned for the next episodes. Thank you.